This is Brock and Saul. Brock Eward is my hero. Jay Buhner just punched me in the kidney. Power through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you are my energy. That really worked that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Eward and Mike Saul. Hello! Hello, hi. It is the Brock and Saul Show, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, and the Seattle Sports app. Plus, all the podcast platforms and apparently YouTube. You can find uh, the whole station on YouTube. Great, great video links there to interviews and segments, etc. Man, what a day yesterday, huh? It went all over the place. So, Mora went viral, of course, for just being awesome, as usual. What a what a day for Mora. I don't her, know if that's what it was for. And her beautiful <laughs> singing voice. And Give yourself more credit, Mora. Yeah. I mean, the people love you. The people are there for you. They support you. They encourage you. They want more of you. And I don't blame them. I'm right there with them. I you're feeling a little envious right now. I am. I was just about to juxtapose it with the day that I had where I was just getting ratioed to death all day. What a what a miserable experience. So you just need to embarrass yourself like I did. Uh, I would think some would say that's exactly what I did yesterday. <laughs> I, I would uh, disagree with them, but I think some folks do. I'm going to stand maybe by it. Maybe sang about your day. Uh, let the bodies, the bodies hit the, the floor. floor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to stand by all of it, um, all of it related to DK Metcalf, and I'm going to assume that there's a couple of different groups of people. There's a there's a group of people that didn't read or understand what I wrote and are mad at me. There's a second group of people that didn't read or understand what I wrote but think they agree with me. There's a third group of people that did read it. And are like, yeah, I kind of agree. And then a fourth group who actually read it and are like, yeah, I still think you're nuts. And that's okay. I mean, that's sort of part of the job of of doing radio in today's day and age is trying to put out your own thoughts, not just group think, and say, here's what I believe. And maybe part of the mistake here was in making the comparison to the Chiefs. Because, yeah, obviously the Seahawks don't just have a Hall of Fame quarterback, and that doesn't just make the world easy. But if you kind of look at where they're at and 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 look at the team they do have built, they're kind of a good, not great team, right? They're good. They're kind of around 500. They're good. And I don't know that just changing out the coaching staff is going to turn them from good to great. They do need to get a quarterback. Eventually. And it seems like they know that, too. This was an interesting one from Dan Graziano yesterday. Where was this from, Maura? Do you know? I think it was just NFL Live. I found it in the ESPN system. It's a a great cut. This is what Dan Graziano said. He's talking about Ryan Grubb and whether or not the Seahawks might draft Penix. But listen to where he goes with this report. A lot of people are going to want to connect those dots between Grubb, the new uh, offensive coordinator there, and Penix, who he coached in college. And, and and that maybe that's that's part of their thinking, but you know they could also be in a situation where they would trade up from 16 if they were looking to draft a quarterback. Remember, they did a lot of work on the quarterbacks in last year's draft. They went out to the pro days and saw and talked to Stroud and Young and Anthony Richardson. They were picking five last year because they had that Broncos pick from the Russell Wilson trade. They didn't have taken one. All those guys were taken before they picked. You know that Seattle is looking around with the idea that at some point they're going to need to find their long-term solution at that position. And Geno Smith, as well as he's played for them, 33 years old, it's possible they just don't see him as that. Okay, so Dan Graziano is a pretty well-connected guy. He doesn't just go out on a limb and say that. 
So he's putting it together and saying, look, they did a lot of research last year. They know they need to come up with a long-term solution. I'm going to add to that that there's five or six first-round quarterbacks in this year's draft, and Brock and others tell me that next year's draft isn't very good for quarterbacks. Well, if you do want to get a quarterback in this year's draft and you need more resources in order to, you know, deal with some of the other problems you have on your team, you might need to make a trade in order to bring back more resources. And if you want to make a trade, you don't have that much that would bring you back as much as DK Metcalf would. So this isn't the, you know, uh, I want to get rid of a Hall of Fame receiver. I think he's a good player. I like DK. He's fun to watch. He's athletic. He's crazy athletic. He's fun. He's he's talented. He's a good player. That's why he's worth a lot. Right. <laughs> it, it was not a hit piece to be like, I'm just ready for DK to be out of no, here. No, that's yeah, a different he's a answer. And he's like, none, none a, of those things were said. That's a different column. Yeah. And you can write that column if you want. It's not the column that I happen to write. So I know it's not easy. I know you can't just trade DK Metcalf and turn into the Chiefs. But I, I do think that you have to be willing to consider things like that if you want to try to go from good to great. Because just sitting back and allowing and waiting for it to happen, I'm not sure it works out that way. Anyway, the hate, though, got out of control, Justin. Out of control yesterday. I, I was not reading all the responses. To <sighs> well, things, I, don't so I don't generally read a lot of the responses either. I've been off the Twitter, but then I had this one really positive Twitter interaction that's going to lead me to a segment at 730 today about the Red Queen. Well, that's impossible. There's I'm, no such thing as a positive I am Twitter. telling you, the guy works right over here, right next to us at Fred Hutch. I had a great, great interaction with him. I learned something from him, and now it's going to lead to a segment at 730. How about that? So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was. We'll see. From reading your email last night, I was thinking it might be a Brock esque jump. No, to it's, tie it into it's not. sports. It's, we'll see me, how it all ties it's not. together. It's going to work perfectly. Okay, Maura, don't 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 be negative. <laughs> it's going to work perfectly. Anyway, oh, sorry. So maybe I was emboldened. Maybe I was feeling really good about uh, the old X platform and feeling like maybe I should you know dig deeper. And that's when I ran into this post. I'm not going to give the person's name, mostly because they didn't write their own name. And I think hiding behind some sort of a fake picture of, you know, Michael Penix is a pretty lame way to live your life and talk trash about people. But And, and I, I wasn't actually, um, yeah, uh, I wasn't alerted to this. I'm not, I'm not uh, tagged in it. But this person wrote, can you believe this, by the way? Mike Salk is one of the worst sports talk radio people of his generation. Extremely boring, dry, condescending, whiny, and never has a single good take. Which I I gotta tell you that hurts. Man. So I sent it over to Bro. I mean, it hurts a lot. Very. How are deeply. you gonna you gonna make it through the day? I'm gonna try. And I and last night, as you can imagine, I was spiraling. First the ratio, then this. I'm spiraling out of control. <laughs> Things are getting dark in the house. And so I sent this to my buddy Brock. Right. I sent over a, a little link to it and just said, "Wow." This is a trip. Look at this. You know what he wrote me back? My partner of 15 years on Valentine's Day Eve. Do you know what he wrote to me? I don't think you're dry. (laughs) Can you you believe what I deal with on a daily basis? My partner, my my best friend, my work wife. He's just trying to keep you humble. Pretty good swing. That's what he says to me. So I don't know. I'm going to try to maintain this. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to make it through today. Thankfully, thankfully, despite all of the challenges, the darkness, the depression, the the downward spiral, the bodies hitting the floor yesterday. Thankfully, amidst all of that. 
pitchers and catchers report today. And you can try to take away my joy. You can try to remind me about what a hellscape last year's Mariners season was. You can tell me that this year may end up being the same thing. I don't care today. We'll deal with that down the line. Today, pitchers and catchers report for spring training. Today is about hope. Really, the whole next month has got to be about hope. That's what that's what the beginning of baseball season is. That's what that's exactly what um, that's what the, what all of spring is. It's about hope. It's about the future. It's about spring. So I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited that it's baseball season. I and, thought you were uh, gonna say it's Valentine's Day, but you're right. Pitchers and catchers report today. That was I mean, and KJ is today. KJ is I, today. I, I, that You're is going true. Somewhere else with that. Let's see some of the texts that are coming in today. Uh, that's not fair, Salk. You did have a single good take in the past. Well, thank you, three six zero. It's just I, factually I not. That. Right. that is very nice. Uh, Salk, you're right. From a strategic perspective, it's a smart move on the field. Maybe not. Uh, that wasn't the point of the article. It was about strategy. Well, all right. Uh, and then this Mora Red Queen hypothesis. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Used often for baseball analytics. So I'm telling you, it is it is going to tie in perfectly at 7.30. It's all going to come together. My ratio is going to improve. The light <laughs> in my life is going to go up. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else, but that's kind of what we got today. KJ's coming and in And you're caffeinated. Oh, yeah, I caffeinated today. The damn dog woke up at, like, 3.15, and she wanted to go downstairs and pee, which she did quickly, which was great, but then she wanted to run around a little bit. And so, uh, you know what I did? Stayed up. Well, I did. I've been up since then because it just wasn't. I got to a point where it wasn't worth going back to bed. But you know what I did? I brought her into bed with me for a little while. I know. Heather never even woke up. I mean, never stirred. I was like, geez, I'm sleeping next to a log. Is that not? She didn't move. And not something you're planning on doing with this dog or. Well, no, we are, but not yet. No, they're not fully potty trained. I mean, she's only three and a half months old. We were sort of hoping to wait a couple of months. But I see now. I don't know. She she curled right up. She fell asleep. She was snoring next to me. I was like, oh, I can see where this is going. Yeah, it's a weird thing with my wife and I. When the kids were little, I would not hear them cry. They'd be downstairs. They'd be crying. I would not hear a thing. Heather would get up immediately. She'd go downstairs, deal with the kids. If Wendell, like, moved wrong or seemed like he needed to vomit or something in the middle of the night, I was up, like, an alert, like, a, like, a, like, a, like an offensive tackle setting back in his stance looking for, <laughs> like, people to block. Like, what's, what's Wendell doing? So I'm very in tune to the dog's needs. Heather's got the kids, and between Sounds us— Sounds like she got her, a bad deal in that. Oh, terrible. Yeah, the kids are up every night. Dog was only up <laughs> once a year. Anyway, we'll come right back with everything you need to know. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Today is the day for those magic words that you only get to hear once a year. Pitchers and catchers reporting for duty. Yes, baseball season begins, sort of. Really all it means is that the pitchers and catchers have to physically be in Peoria, and then tomorrow they'll, like, throw a little. So there's not, like, a tremendous amount of action that takes place when pitchers and catchers report, but still, it's impressive, and it's a a good sign for the future. Maybe not the intensity of the World Series, but it is a start nonetheless. One name to watch, by the way, in terms of pitchers and catchers, Levi Stout. He was a Mariner pitching prospect who went to Cincinnati in the Luis Castillo deal, did not do particularly well there, was DFA'd yesterday. 
I know the Mariners could use some minor league depth, so maybe a return for him could help him find his game. That depth issue is uh, pretty well known. David Schoenfeld on yesterday says, yeah, that's kind of an issue. My only concern is there's not a lot of depth after those five. They traded Robbie Ray. They traded Gonzalez. So, you know, you don't really even have a number six starter. So that's the big concern if somebody gets injured. Yeah, I mean, I think they would feel very comfortable with Emerson Hancock as their number six starter. And Austin Voth is probably going to be number seven or those two in some order. But yeah, after that, it does get a little dicey. There's maybe one other guy you might feel comfortable with with some spot starters. Surprised that they dealt Darren McCacken, given that, who at least came up and gave them some quality innings last year. So, yeah, I would have my eyes on Levi Stout or any other pitchers along that ilk who might be able to come in, be in AAA, and at least give you some pitching depth heading into this season. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, nothing really all that surprising, but the Seahawks did officially announce the names of seven members of their coaching staff yesterday, including offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb, defensive coordinator Aiden. It's Durday, right? Is that what we're going with? Durday? Is it Dur? It's, it's Aden. Aden Durday? Yeah. Aden Durday. Got it. Assistant head coach Leslie Frazier. I don't have to say that one. They still have a long way to go, but they do have some of the most important spots filled. And now they can kind of go to work on the rest of that coaching staff. And yes, as Coach McDonald told us, he's got to start getting in touch with more of the players to start having some of those conversations. One thing to watch is how many coaches end up coming back. Right now, Carl Scott, the only one from last year. Yesterday, we saw that Deshaun Shedd signed up to be a coach in Miami after a couple of years here as the assistant secondary coach. Seems like kind of just another sign of how different things will be. They are looking for new blood, different characters, and maybe some of the old players, ex-players here in Pete's system are not going to be in quite uh, as high a demand. It'll be a conversation with KJ Wright when he joins us at 8 o'clock. They're also getting close to decision day on any player whose contract becomes guaranteed five days after the Super Bowl. That's this Friday, which means a decision really needs to be made by tomorrow. The two players you're probably watching most closely there are Geno Smith, of course, and then Dre Jones, who uh, both are at least uh, of interest to see whether or not the Seahawks will retain them for next season. Here's the third thing you need to know. That's a nice win for the Kraken last night in Long Island. They did everything on really on Long Island. They did everything opposite of what we've seen for most of the year. Philip Grubauer started in net. First time in months, gave up a goal, and he was stellar. Matty Beneers actually scored a goal. That was his first in over a month and just his second since before Christmas. Wow, that's not a great sign. Then they won in a shootout, which they never do. Grubauer stopped all three shots, and it was Tomas Tatar with the game winner. Will it be Tuna time in the two-hole? Tatar scores! Tomas Tatar! Yeah, that was pretty nice. John Forslund, the call there on Root Sports, and he is going to join me coming up in 10 minutes. Hopefully this stops the bleeding as they will go to Boston tomorrow. Site of their best win of last season, probably the best regular season win in franchise history. And oh, by the way, you can tell things are really rough in college football. I know Brock's going to be crying poor today. They only signed a six-year, $7.8 billion deal with ESPN, which only covers the college football playoffs. These schools don't turn a profit, though. So. No, it's so sad Ooh. the way they just don't have any money and the way they have to push all of the NIL stuff onto their, their random blue-collar fans. God, I really just hope the poor programs can survive. Only $7.8 billion, just like a little over a billion a year just for the freaking playoffs. 
kidding me? How do they survive? How do they survive? That's everything you need to know. I know Brock's going to come in here, too, and be like, well, Mike, what you don't know is the travel and the this and the Olympic sports. Like, dude, come on. I'm not dry. Sorry. I'm, I'm still a little bitter. I'm just going to be, uh, I may be at war with Brock a little bit over the course of the day after, I mean, I get after what he said to me. I'm kind of excited. It's, I think it's very funny. I, I understand the people who just heard or read a headline and equated it to being like, what, do you want to trade Julio, too? Right. It's like, again... If you spend more than two minutes just going through it's to see really that this hard is just to do that, an option. Though. It's really, really hard to do that. It, it's really hard to have any level of nuance in today's in today's world. And I understand that, which is honestly why I'm not upset about people being upset. Like, I get it. It kind of comes with the territory. I'm proud. We started a conversation in town yesterday, and I'm glad people were having this. It doesn't mean that you need to agree with me. I don't care if at the end you come around and say, yeah, you know what, Salk, you're right. They should trade DK Metcalf because it would lead to X, Y, and Z for the team. But, you know, part of the reason sports radio exists is to have these conversations, is to think a little bit, is to is to explore ideas and to, you know, maybe have some challenging opinions that don't necessarily agree with what yours are. That's okay. This isn't a hot take. This isn't a like I woke up one day and was like, hey, you know, it'd be great. Let's get rid of this guy. <laughs> Let's go like there's some thought behind it, and I I don't know whether it would actually come true. I don't think it's a 0% chance. The Seahawks, if you look at things, need to make some sort of a move in order to get significantly better than they've been. Is the coaching staff change enough? If you believe it is, then this deal's never going to happen. If you think that's all they were missing was a coaching staff change, you're right. They shouldn't trade DK Metcalf. Totally agree with you. But I, I would tell you that... I think they need more than that. I think in order to play Mike McDonald's type of ball, they're going to need more help on the offensive and defensive lines. And they're eventually, as you heard from Dan Graziano, going to need a real quarterback, a long-term option that they commit to. And if you want the resources to be able to do all of that, you might need to give something up that you also like. And personally, I devalue that position. I'm not a big wide receiver guy. You may be. I'm not. I think that there are more valuable positions in the game of football. So for me, it's not a no-brainer. Of course not. It's a hard decision to trade a guy like that. But it's absolutely something worth considering. All right. Coming up next, uh, I mentioned John Forslund, a very special birthday edition of John Forslund joining us, which would be kind of fun. Oh, nice. It's his birthday today. I think he's turning 34, 35, something like that. So we will talk to John coming up next about the Kraken, who came off a nice win last night. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, it was nice to see the Kraken uh, pick up a win last night on the road against the Islanders. Not a bad team either, and they still have uh, a couple of big ones in front of them. John Forslund, the voice of the Kraken on Root Sports, joining us right now. On his birthday, no less, happy birthday, John. Hey, thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate I it. Caught that right at the end of the broadcast yesterday. I was like, hey, wait, we're having yeah. him on tomorrow. He's going to wake up early yeah. and talk to us on his yeah. birthday. Eddie wanted to go there. Eddie wanted to yeah. go there more times for my liking, but that's all right. <laughs> you look sounded like you were ready to drop the gloves on that one. I'm always with him. I'm always ready. I get the instigator all the time. Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, it was a nice win last night. In general, yeah. 
Where do you see this team headed right now? We, it's, I have found them to be very difficult to get a yeah. beat on. Every time I think I yeah. know who they are, they change their mind and decide to be somebody else. Where do you think they're going? Well, that's been the story of the season, right? The inconsistencies across the board for a team that was so consistent last year. And really, that was the reason why they were so successful in the second year of the franchise is their balance and their consistent play, which really translated well on the road. So they snapped a six-game losing streak on the road uh, last night, a three-game losing streak overall, and uh, they're their own worst enemies. And we're about to find out exactly what this all means because, you know, there's a couple things in play here. There's obviously the end of the season where you're, you're in and around the cut line and you want to get there and make the playoffs, obviously, but there's the trading deadline, too, in early March. And management's going to look at this and determine, you know, what it is. And I can't answer that this morning uh, based on what I've seen so far. You know, are surprised uh, kind of the way they played in Philadelphia? In some ways, yes, uh, to start out of the break. But when you look at the length of the break, the travel, and the fact that the Flyers are playing their third game and the Kraken were playing their first Saturday night, okay, maybe you get a pass for that. Uh, but then you get into New Jersey, and that was really – subpar uh great last 10 minutes it really doesn't matter so what is it about last night was a terrific effort mm-hmm. can they string all of that together and do it on a, a really consistent basis because that's what it's going to take i'm not 100 percent sure so we'll see how, how much of the up and down do you think has had to do with them versus their opponents you know playing good teams versus the the teams in the league that aren't quite as quality well, you know, I, I think what the problem has been is is just to, to go along with their their lack of unity on the ice, which was an issue for me the, the first month. Mm-hmm. And then it started to forge itself back, and, and, and they went on that long run. They had a nine-game winning streak in and around the Winter Classic, and that was terrific. Um, but then, you know, there's always – there's always a part of a piece of this puzzle that isn't right. A line that doesn't click Um, injuries, which uh, it can be an excuse, but it's a factor for a team that doesn't have a lot of game breaking depth. I mean, for the Kraken to be successful, they have to grind for everything they get. They're they're not going to, you know, they don't have one or two star players that's going to put the team on their back and 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 outscore their issues, right? They're they're a team that's got to got to work for everything. Even last night, you know, they extract one goal out of that game in regulation, win in a shootout. Yeah, sure, they could have scored on it numerous times. So could have the Islanders if not for Philip Grubauer. So it seems to be the way they play. Um, they still have real good chemistry. But I, I, I really believe that, you know, a lot of decisions are going to be made here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and Ron Francis is going to be hopefully in a position where he wants to add to this group and reward them a little bit and say, OK, guys, you, you, you worked really hard to get here, uh, make a run for the playoffs. But if they continue to do the negative, um, you know, then there's going to have to be some some players moved out because you, you can't live with expiring contracts. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, uh, John, and, and, and I'm trying to put myself in the seat of the general manager, which I think is the most interesting in sports. And you're at the trade deadline. Yeah, you let's say they do roll off a couple of wins here, beat Boston once or twice, which would be a nice sign for them. And you say, OK, I want to reward them. I want to go out and get something to help them. Is there anything that really helps them that is something less than that top-tier scoring talent you were just talking about? 
Or is that sort no. of reshuffling the deck and just giving them more yeah. of the same? Yeah, no. I mean, aside from a true number one center, if we're going to be honest about this, mm-hmm. that's what they need moving forward. Where does that player come from? I'm, I'm not sure you can get that at the trading deadline. Who's relinquishing that, right? And if you if you do that, uh, and you look at the teams who are out of it, and 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 there are some centers uh, that are out there that that could help, but they look to be more of the rental type that are going to go to other teams that are looking for a piece to make a run at a cup. Uh, this is a team, to be fair, that's just trying to make the playoffs in their third year of existence. So, you know, um, I'm not sure that deal's there. That deal probably might be a summer deal Mm. in and around the draft. It might come through free agency, and they're probably going to have to get aggressive that way. Um, I always feel the team could use a little bit more of a pushback. They could use a player that's a little bit more difficult to play against. Um, They soften up at times for me. Um, I think that's needed. So that could be a piece Eddie goes out and, and acquires. Um, defensively, they, they appear to be okay. I mean, the, the D has held up for most of the season. It's been good. They suppress shots. They play well on their own end. And the goaltending has been very good, especially from Joey Decord, right? So, I mean, this is, uh, is what you're looking at here. I think the key for, for Ron is to look at his team. And, you know, these guys, uh, the group, the initial group in year one that went through all those challenges, the, the group that got him through a spectacular year two, and now you're here. I mean, this is still the infancy period of a franchise. So this is like the first group that's setting the place for the prospects that are coming. You know, it's how he navigates all of that. But I I really believe the prime concern, you're absolutely right, moving forward, is to get to somebody that delivers a little bit more of game-breaking space within a game. They just don't seem to have that. I'm not sure that's available unless he gets really creative and makes a hockey deal where you relinquish a lot to get something. Um, that'll be interesting to look at too. Well, I would agree on that. And, and, you know, we kind of had some of those conversations last off season, wondering if maybe Toronto would blow it up and you might mm-hmm. have an opportunity to get one of those guys. But, you know, the one hope was that maybe Matty Beneers would turn into it. I've always felt like he's going to end up being a real great, solid second line center on a good team. Mm-hmm. But this year has just kind of gone awry for him. What do you think has been going on with Matty Beneers this season? I think most of it is between the years. I think a lot of this is mental. Um, you know, the thing about Maddie, it's interesting, Mike. I mean, the, the thing about him is he's a very smart player, okay? And I think as we watch him play this year, where I start scratching my head is is some of the, the misses he makes defensively, the reads that he doesn't get to, the, the, the slowness that he appears to have. And a lot of that has got to do with his thinking. You know, as you talk to players and over my career, you talk to them, you talk to coaches, you know, they, they talk about a connection between the mental process and what leads to physical play. And sometimes when a team looks slow, it's not because they're not conditioned and they can't move or whatever the case, it's more or less, they can't get the brain to work fast enough so that the body catches up to the brain. And this is a real hard learning curve season for Matty Beneers. Hmm. I think what we all have to recognize as fans of this team, as we watch the team is that he's 21 years old. He's still developing at the NHL level. And the second season for him after a rookie of the year campaign is one where he is completely game planned against every single game. So the other side knows how he plays. Uh, Dave Haxtall for the lion's share of the season tries to use him in key matchups against 
uh, players from the other side. He, at home, he's lighting that up a little bit. It's more or less the Gord line that gets the key defensive matchup. Try and help Maddie a little bit that way and relaxes relaxes matchups. Um, but you know, he's still going to get the best coming at him, and he's had a hard time dealing with it as the season marches on. The stats aren't there. The contracts hanging out there. Um, I, I got to think he's still a young young guy, right? He's trying to wrap all of this around, you know. Uh, his game and that's hard to do unless you can put it in compartments and that's hard for anybody. So it's hard for veteran players, but for a young player, and I'm not going to speak for him. I don't know if, if the contracts on his mind, the whatever extension might be coming or the next deal, the bridge or a big extension. I don't know where they're going to go with that. Um, but it certainly appears that way because it's the, it's the intangible part of his game that never vacillated in, in his rookie year. When he went six or seven games without a point, he was good in all three zones of the ice. That has not been the case this year, if we're honest about it. Yeah, it's 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 such a bummer because he seems like such a great kid. And as you said, he's so yeah. smart. But the turnovers and, and defense are things that I never thought I would worry about with him. Okay, I didn't expect him to be a top scorer, but I've been surprised by some of those other yeah. other issues. So, all right, let's fast forward one more time. Last uh, thing or two here for you, and then we'll let you be on your, on your day here, on your birthday. Um, mm-hmm. What... Uh, if they don't get to a point of being buyers and it turns out they've got to be sellers, what is the value of some of the guys on this team? Jordan Everly, I know as I saw Rob Simpson mention that name. Are there some, are there some other guys and what, how much value could you get back? Well, the value comes really uh, the earlier you get to it. So it's kind of like a pressure point, right? So if the Kraken go into a dip again, you know, uh, are teams that are looking to add pieces more willing to give up more ahead of the deadline. When you get to the deadline, um, basically with veteran players on expiring contracts, you're talking about draft choices, which, which are good and which the Kraken still need. Um, they've done a nice job. And certainly in the first year, Ron went out and accrued a lot of picks and we're seeing that uh, there's a wave that's, that's coming you know, there's there's a wave of young players that that are going to be the next level of where this franchise goes. Um, it just depends on the timing of the whole thing. So I think that's what we're looking at. I I really think in order to make a bigger move, that that would be more or less a, a hockey trade. And what I mean by that is, you know, player for player, uh, relinquishing something, but you don't want to get into you know addition by subtraction. That's dangerous. Um, and that's why, you know, I got, you know, I've known Ronnie for a long time. Um, yes, you know, he's, he's a little bit more on the conservative side, but he's calculated. He's very smart. Uh, he's not going to, not going to rush anything. And I think as he watched the second year, he was happy. Obviously we all were. Um, but I don't think he kidded himself. I think he saw what he saw and he was like, this is terrific because every single player is having a career season. <laughs> We're going to get experience the cup playoffs and see what that's like. And as the Stanley Cup playoffs wore on, the Kraken got to the second round. You're like, holy cow, they might get to the third round. At least the market was exposed to that. Um, but in his mind's eye, he's looking at, you know, what it really is. And so this season, I think they're a little bit better than the record. They're a little bit better than how they've played at times. They need to show that. And they're certainly not out of it. So they can make a run here. Um, but he's gonna he's gonna make the right decisions. But I don't think you're gonna get anything that's gonna change the landscape of the present. You know, if you get into that mode where you're kind of 
taking care of your assets and getting something back in return. The key will be the next off season, you know, then we can talk about yeah. that when that happens, you know, and then where it goes, because then it be, now we're at a kind of three years in, now you're getting into a stage where the fans are going to demand a lot more going into the fourth year. If this team fails to make the playoffs. John, this is so much fun. Thanks for uh, waking up and talking a little hockey with us this morning uh, in the middle of a road trip. I I, I really value doing it. And uh, just as I say every time you're on, but it really is the truth. You guys do such a great job on that broadcast. And Thank whatever you. frustration any fan may be feeling, I can't imagine one drop of it is directed at you guys. You guys do a heck of a job every night. So thank you so much. Thanks, Enjoy the road trip. We'll talk soon. Happy birthday. Okay, buddy. Appreciate it. All Thank right. You. There you go. There's John Forslund, the voice of the Kraken on Root Sports. And I do mean that. I'm not just kissing his rear end. That guy is phenomenal. He is as good a play-by-play guy as I've heard in any sport. He is professional. He is energetic, but without being over the top. That guy is money every single night. Big and fan. I got to tell you, I agree with every single word he just said about Matty Beneers. Every word of it. Every single word. And I'm glad to hear him say that because it was a question you may have heard me ask a bunch of times last year. I asked him. I asked a bunch of guys. I think I asked Dave Haxtall or Ron Francis, one of them, said, hey, is Matty Beneers a top-line center on a, on a cha- championship team? And I think we're seeing this year the answer is no, and that's what you heard from him. That doesn't make Matty Beneers a bad player. He's a really good player. It makes him a player that right now is a little overmatched in the position he's in. Does that make sense? And in hockey, look, that's a little different than in baseball. It's not like, well, all right, you're not really a number one pitcher. You're a number two. Well, okay, you're still going to line up against whoever you line up against and get out batters. The difference here is the positions that he's being put in, the the defense that he's got to play, as you heard, against you know some of the better players in the league. The matchups that he has being in a number one versus a number two spot are significantly different. And if the other team especially when they're on the road, is able to work the matchup so that they get a really good quality defensive center on Beneers, it shuts them down. And ultimately, as he grows into it and you can take the pressure off of him, I think he's a really good quality, number two, three zone kind of a center. But you've got to get somebody up ahead of him on the first line that is a star, that is a legitimate first line option. So we'll see if they can do it. Uh, he's right. I don't think you're going to do it at the trade deadline. But by this offseason, it's going to become a little bit more of a pressing concern or else you're going to be sort of slated to just kind of, you know, ups and downs. And when your depth is 100%, maybe you're able to take a couple and steal a few and you get hot goaltending. And the moment that goes away, you're going to kind of fade off, et cetera. So I like the I like a lot of what the team has done and a lot of how they've been built. But until they get that guy Right, same as we've been talking about at the quarterback position, I think it's gonna be difficult for them to uh, well, to hit the I next level. I think it's level. fair to say now, looking at the development of Beneers and Shane, right, you can be a, a little disappointed with some of their early draft picks. I'm uh, I'm disappointed. Yeah, yeah, and I'm waiting on some of the guys. I want to see what Riker Evans has as he kind of develops into it. I want to see when Jagger Furcus gets up. I mean, like they've got some other dudes that they're excited about. But yeah, Beneers, if he ends up as a as a high quality second line center, that's fine. That's great. It wasn't a year where the number two overall pick was going to be a superstar stud. But Shane Wright? Yeah, I think you would certainly hope that by next year you're seeing a lot more there. All right, let me shift gears. It uh, I had a piece of sound that, of course, Maura found. Maura is like the best, by the way. In addition to just crushing her singing performance again yesterday, she found like two or three pieces of sound that I didn't even know about that are just freaking awesome. I played you the Graziano bit earlier. Let me play you uh, something from Robbie Ray, and it led me 
to something I saw in the Super Bowl. I'm gonna I'm gonna make more. You were worried that I was gonna make a bit of a stretch. I have to I have to give credit to. I, I think it may have been Curtis or Lefko that cut the huh. Robbie you Ray. Know what? Sound. Just Sorry. take the compliment. We don't need to. <laughs> Thank we you. don't need to. We don't need to throw it at them. Uh, this is kind of cool. This is from Robbie Ray on the Foul Territory podcast. Okay, and he he said some pretty interesting things. But and he was very open and honest. And I, Robbie's a pretty smart guy. But he was talking here about the home run that he gave up to Alvarez a couple of years ago in the playoffs, right? Game one that ended up, you know, really costing them so dearly. And if you remember, Paul Sewald failed to get the guy out right before that, which is why he even had to face Alvarez. And here he sort of talks about the conversation he had with Sewald after that. Paul came up to me and was just like, look, you should have never been in that game. Like I, I let those guys get on and I put you in that situation. And he's like, I'm the closer and you, I should have locked it down. He was like, you shouldn't feel like you lost this game. We all lost it. And I think for me, like him, hearing him say that, like it was, we lost as a team and it wasn't just my fault. Like it, that was the biggest thing that kind of helped me out with that. It was like, everybody's still on my side. It's not like I went out there and tried to give up the game. And everybody knows that I'm prepared and I, I put in my work and I do my job the way you're supposed to do it. So it, it was just one of those things where, you know, that night it didn't work out. It just happened to be in the playoffs in a big situation. So, but hearing him tell me that was definitely, uh, definitely made it easier. I don't know. For some reason that struck me. I appreciate that. I appreciate his level of accountability and also Paul Seawald's level of accountability and the fact that when everyone is willing to take that kind of accountability, but also understand that in baseball, you put in the work, you go through the process and sometimes it's not going to work out. Unfortunately for him, it happened in a gigantic situation. Same for Paul Seawald. But I, I don't know. I just kind of liked the idea of the two of them conversing about it behind the scenes and talking through it. And it reminded me of another story that came out yesterday. Did you see this John Feliciano story? So he's the right guard for the Niners who got hurt in the game. You remember that? He was sort of yep. writhing on the ground. He gets hurt. Guy comes in for him. And then on that final drive that the Niners had when they got down to, what, third and four from the nine, that was the play where Chris Jones came bombing through. And, you know, there seemed to be kind of a mess on the right side of the line. Anyway, uh, he saw everyone kind of crushing the dude, uh, the right tackle, and said, hey, I know you all, so you should know that's not Colton's guy. A quick chop is not needed if the guy that was supposed to block him blocks him. And so everyone's sort of like, oh, okay. So instead of throwing the right tackle under the bus, you're throwing the guy who replaced you the right card under the bus. And in fact, that guy whose last name is Burford replies to him. Hey, sheesh, I open up my app to this. Get well soon, bro. Yeah. So Feliciano thinks about it, apologizes and says, I'm sorry, bro. I woke up hungover and being a female dog (laughs) and trying to have one's back. I hurt you. It's bleeped up, and I apologize. You got nothing but greatness ahead of you. I'm sorry, bro. The teammates talked, cleared the air, Burford saying that he accepted Feliciano's apology. I don't know. I kind of like that story. Yeah, public apology and accountability for throwing a teammate in our bus at the worst moment. I kind of like the idea that he's like, yeah, I just hung over. Well, Feliciano was in the news for a whole other story yesterday, too. Oh, really? a lot going on, yeah. Jalen Carter said that he was trash talking about his like teammate that died in that racing accident. Ooh. Um and then Feliciano tried to come back and say Carter said he was going to murder me and my kids and we w- would never see they would never see me again. Oh. So I said, "Well, you've already got a body on you." Oh. Uh it, yeah, so it's, I don't know, Feliciano's maybe got some some right, let's strike issues. the last couple minutes of the uh, show <laughs> here. I'm sorry about that. Let me get back to more Robbie Ray then, because here's what Robbie had to say on uh, the whole 54% comments from Jerry Depoto. In my mind, 
it's tough because everybody's thinking it but it's a tough line to say out loud when you say it out loud and you you hear yourself say it it's a it's kind of a tough thing to hear but everybody understands that that's kind of what teams do they plan for up years and down years they you know you could win 100 games and then the very next year you could lose 100 games so i mean in a five-year span sure you might win 54 percent of the games and that's what you're shooting for but from like a fan base standpoint it's just really tough to say that out loud that's about as measured and intelligent and thoughtful an approach to those comments as i've heard from anybody right like, yeah, I get it. That's the way the front offices think a little bit. They're trying to look at things over a five-year span and understand that baseball is going to have its ups and downs that you can't really account for. And teams that get to 54% generally end up having success on average. But at the same time, when you say it out loud, it sure sounds a whole heck of a lot like we're only trying to win 54%. That's our goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, when you're a frustrated Mariner fan, understandably you tend to go to the latter rather than the former and i don't know kudos to robbie ray he is here and he's not here anymore he has no reason to be you know to speak well of what jerry said or defend him or anything like that but i thought he summed that up pretty darn well, well just like here's the situation back to the thing that he he and paul seawald talked about we heard seawald say it right we heard him say that after the team never should have been in this position that was on me but hearing the robbie ray side of the conversation yeah, makes it clear that those conversations happen privately and probably in much a deeper level to begin with. Yep. And yeah, Paul shows his leadership, right? Like that's probably why people missed him the most is because of that type of accountability. And I think the uh, whatever it was, thir- thirteen plus strikeout per nine inning average probably is missed a little. Sure, bit but too. like <laughs> there's a lot of time that he's not on the mound that the other guys got to bond with him. Hundred percent true. Hundred percent. All right. Well, he's not going to be there. Neither is Robbie Ray. As the pitchers and catchers report today. Who is and what should we expect? That's coming up next. I'm Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 and the Seattle Sports app.